Welcome to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage. I'm here to give you a front row seat to the Emmys, Oscars, SAG, and Tony's races. Who is in the running? What makes an award-worthy performance? And what are the secrets to giving one? These intimate, inspirational conversations with some of today's most talented stars provide you, dear listener, the kind of craft and career advice that could win you a statue of your own, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. It is hard. It is hard to take a step back and say, yes, but how do I feel about it? Yeah. And I think it's important to take that moment to see how you feel about it before asking anybody else what they think. Say your name. Sam Sherlock. Hi. Hi, how are you? I'm so good, how are you? I'm good. What is your um, title and what are you doing to help Teen Podcast? Well, I'm a media operations Mm -hmm. and I am doing most of the social media for the podcast um, on our Twitter page and our Facebook group, which everybody should join and follow. Um, And yeah, just making sure everybody gets those episodes. Every Tuesday and Thursday for a month. For one month. Yeah, that was a lot. And we're on SoundCloud, Spotify, and iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. Good job. Um, I've asked you here today also because of today's guest. And I do feel like today's guest is a good, it's a big one. A big one. It is a big one. Probably the biggest one. And I love her. Yeah, we love her. I've loved her for years. It is? <laughs> it's Deborah Messing. For those who couldn't tell from the uh, intro snippet of her <laughs> speaking, it's Deborah Messing. Talk to me about Deborah Messing. I love Deborah Messing. <laughs> I've been watching Will and Grace since the beginning of Will uh-huh. and Grace. So when yeah, it came back, forever. I was so excited. And they it's still did. Just as good they as picked it was. up right where they left off. Totally, it's amazing. And in this interview, she gave she gave us a very very backstagey interview because. Even though uh, we all think of Deborah Messing as a TV person, she literally she has an Emmy. You know, mm-hmm. she's very much a TV person. There's Smash. There's uh, Starter Wife. There's everything in addition to Will and Grace. But um, she's very much a theater person, and she lives here. And so she, her, all of her like early career backstagey stories about her or about her stage career. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and she is a story machine. Like she was just pumping out all these amazing stories, and I we got to get to it so you guys can all listen to it. But. Um, I think one of the themes of this interview is ask for what you want. Deborah Messing is very good at that. She's living proof that if you design your life in the way that you envision it, others will provide that for you. Like she's kind of providing the textbook on how to do that. That's great. That's some great advice. It's great advice. <laughs> As usual. We, it was such a treat to have her. Anything else? Any other uh, orders of business we need to get to? No. Just follow our Twitter page. Yes. Facebook group us. Follow us. Follow us everywhere. There is exclusive behind the scenes content, we can say, on those social media channels. That's true. There is. We have photos of you with our guests. (laughs) Yes. Oh, God. And we just have like little snippets. Yep. Oh, my God. Sam, thank you for joining us. Of course. Anytime. See, were you worried? (laughs) I was worried. I still am worried. (laughs) You're going to sound great. And I bet Jamie's going to be like, Sam Sherlock, she has such a great recording voice. (laughs) 
That's what I said doubt it. Casey but no, <laughs> okay. no, 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 no. Okay. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Barry on HBO. The second season of Barry was hailed by critics as fascinating and hilarious, damned funny, and audaciously original. For your Emmy consideration in Outstanding Comedy Series and all other categories, visit hbo.com FYC for more on Barry. A reigning member of TV royalty, Deborah Messing is a leading comedy actress Primetime Emmy Award winner for NBC's Will & Grace. Her performance as Grace Adler has also earned her Golden Globe, SAG, and other nominations aplenty, known also for Ned & Stacy, The Starter Wife, Smash, The Mysteries of Laura, and her work in feature films and on New York stages, Deborah has valuable advice for actors looking to advocate for themselves, as she has done. Without further ado, the legendary Deborah Messing. Hi. Hi. <laughs> How's your day? Where, so where are you going? You have press all over the city? Yeah. I was um, doing a Vulture, and oh, um, then I'm doing the Paley Center Honors. Tonight? Oh. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. And where? After um, this. After this. Where do you live in the city? Cause you... uh, Upper East. Oh, okay. Okay. But born in Brooklyn. Yes. But didn't grow up in Brooklyn. No. I was born in Brooklyn and grew up in Rhode Island. Uh-huh. And went to college in Boston, um, went junior yeah. year abroad in London. Okay, oh, same. And then came back and went for my master's in acting at NYU. Here. Yes. And, I mean, do you consider yourself a New Yorker? Yes, okay. I do. <laughs> okay. Absolutely. Because with someone with your, like, resume or, like, your current workload, like, it does make sense for you to be in L.A., and you're not. It it does, and I'm and not. You talk about it, yeah. <laughs> Um, I lived there for 12 years when I was doing um, Will and Grace the first round, Uh and then I did The Starter Wife out there as well, and and then I got offered Smash. Which is so New York. Yes, and uh, I loved the pilot so much, um, and I had been looking for a reason to come back, and so we packed up. My son was seven at the time. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we came back, and uh, when Smash ended, we just felt like there's absolutely no reason to go back. No regrets. No regrets Good. at all. Good. Because no. I feel like so often, and I, I consider you to be like a theater type, too. I am. <laughs> you know? And like the, the theater types um, are mostly here, but sometimes like L.A. becomes this like temptress that lures people away. It does. It does. You know, if, often if you want to make a living, you have to go out to Los Angeles. Sure. Sure. Yeah. In fact, was it always theater or was it always film and TV or was it always theater? Like growing up, what was the dream? Oh, oh, the dream was theater. Cool. And, okay. And only theater. Yeah. Amazing. Um, Do you see everything? In yeah, New York? I try to. Yeah. But I mean, I've been I've been away. I've been away in Los Angeles sure. shooting Will and Grace. Sure. So it's it's I get in and I'm like, okay, what can I see? Yeah, I see everything. Yeah. Wait, so what is this? What is the shooting schedule for Will and Grace? It's how many months out of the year? Um, we will be going um, from just after Fourth of July through mid December. Oh, okay. And then I come back one week a month. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because that's how, how a sitcom, a four-camera sitcom works. Mm-hmm. They work three weeks, and then they have a, a week to catch up on the writing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And you guys have dozens and dozens of episodes a season, which is no longer the norm, I no. feel like, for TV. No. Yeah. We're doing 18 episodes this uh-huh. season. Oh, right, right, right. And is that – how does it compare to, like, do you think that schedule is favorable compared to other gigs you've had? I mean, there's there's nothing better than the sitcom schedule oh, okay. by far. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're doing a single camera comedy or single camera drama, you know, it could be 16 hour days every day. I see. And it could be 10 months straight. Mm. So it's it's really gotcha. actually an an inhumane uh, schedule. Yeah. It's really really hard. And you've done it. And I've done it. Yeah. I've done it. Um, oh, yeah. I did it in Mysteries of Laura. I did it on. Mm-hmm. Smash, I did it on, um, yeah. And so obviously now coming back and, and getting a full week off a month yeah. and only working, you know, in front of an audience one day a week or two days a week. Sure. Um, it, it's it's much easier. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it it's limiting as well. Creatively, it's, it's, it's limiting. So, oh, interesting. Yeah. I want to ask about that because I, I actually feel like one of my biggest fascinations with the, this idea of sitcom acting in general, but especially for Will and Grace, especially because you guys took a 10-year hiatus, is like, does it get – do you get into a routine or a safe – a comfort zone where you know how to get a laugh, you do that thing? Like, are you still learning new skills um, and trying to challenge yourself? You guys yes. keep getting funnier. Yes, it um thank you for that. <laughs> um I I definitely feel like um there are still challenges which is, you know, the goal. Um That's the goal. Yes. I mean this this season there was an episode um where Grace reveals that she was sexually assaulted by her her dad's best friend. Mm-hmm. And um you know, that was an incredible challenge, sure. especially in the world of Will and & Grace, and it's supposed to be a comedy. Right. So trying to, you know, do justice to the, you know, the the importance and the, the pain of the story, the storyline, but also finding ways mm. f- to have little blips of lightness. Right. Um, and... Mm. and so in that storyline, that was the real challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of comically, I think on on some level there, you know, the four of us together, it's kind of like I I say it's kind of like an orchestra playing, and mm. each one of us plays a different instrument. Oh, cool! And we're the best when we're all together. Yeah, yeah. So there, something happens when the four of us are together. There's yeah. you know, there's a musicality. Cool. And wow. it, I think we we play the music, and now because we've been doing it for so long, we know the music, uh-huh. and we also know when the music is off. Sure. And so okay. we can have that conversation with the writers and say, you know, this this moment doesn't go far enough. Okay. Um, I feel I feel like every script that I get, um, I get nervous about. Okay, how how am really? I going to make this funny? Oh, so every script. Every script. It never fails. No, no. I, That's actually good to know. Yeah. It's actually good. Yeah. <laughs> I, I I think that um I think that if I got to a place where, you know, 
sitting back with a cigarette in my hand, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, I've seen it all, you know, seen it all. And like, <laughs> OK, I can do this sleeping. You know, right. it's like, why are you doing it anymore? No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't want to be. You're not that kind of artist. No, no, no. That you I, I wouldn't. Artist. I wouldn't be happy that way. Right. And um, I think, I think because I've loved theater for so long, mm. and um, my dream was actually to be a triple threat. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I find my greatest joy when I'm in a theater watching. Um, I made some uh, unconventional choices when it came to um, television. Sure. Right out of graduate school, mm. um, when I when I first got out, there was a trend going on in in TV where there were TV shows that had a female lead, but mm-hmm. everybody around the female lead was funny. Oh, uh huh. And the lead wasn't. She's like the straight. She's yeah, the straight yeah, yeah. woman, and so yeah. it was like suddenly Susan with Brooke Shields, right. Caroline in the city, mm. um, and the supporting characters are the goofy. supporting characters. Yeah. And so I was, you know, offered a script right. where I would play one of those people, and you know, I had never done TV, and I had, yeah. you know, no money at what all. Are you going to say no? Yeah. And I said no. <laughs> oh, you did. I did oh, say you no. Did. I did. Okay. And my agents are Love like, it. who the hell do you think you are? Because <laughs> this is right after grad school. Right out of, oh, I mean, wow. I, I had no money. I, you know, I, I could eat at dojos once a week uh-huh. at max, you know. This is the stuff we like to hear. <laughs> yes. And every day on the way to, you know, I would get my bagel on the corner for $1.50. And like, what corner? Um, I would walk. I lived in the East Village. Okay. So it was on uh, St. Mark's and Third Avenue. Yes. Okay. Cool. And so on my way to to school, I would I'd get a banana from the Korean market, and then I would grab a bagel, and that would be it. Be, yeah. You know. Um. So yes, it was like, oh, okay, we have this audition for you, and right. I read it, and I was like, I, that won't make me happy. Uh huh. And that's the barometer. That's the the barometer. Yeah. Is you know, I read it and. You know, I read a script, and if it, if I immediately am excited by it and start to envision mm. things that I can bring to it, mm. then I know that I'm in the right world. Um, you know, there have been scripts that I read that, you know, were solid scripts, but mm. I just felt like, you know, anybody can play this. I, I They don't right. – I'm – I'm not going to bring anything special to this part. Mm. And so because I won't, I won't be happy. Right. And there are mm. so many actresses out there who would love this part. I see. That's that's what would almost not make you happy right there. Yeah. And if so, you had the part and you were like... Uh, right. And I was like, you know, and you're signing on for seven and a half years. Right. <laughs> Before you've even you've only done one episode. Yeah, which so is crazy. You, right. So no matter what that that commitment is huge, and yeah. so which is why I haven't done a sitcom since Will and Grace because I haven't read a, a script mm-hmm. before or after. After yeah. you know, I yeah. haven't I haven't read a script since that um, wow. has made me feel like this is fresh. Mm-hmm. This is a new voice. This is a character we haven't seen before. Right. Um, and. Uh, so I'm still waiting. 
and you're still waiting. And it sounds like Will and Grace, the first, I mean, the first moment you read it, which I would love to hear about that moment. Yeah. Like, I love that it's contextualized in, in this trend of TV that you almost didn't really, like, agree with. Like, that Grace yes. Adler was different from those other characters. It was. Seen. Yeah. It was. So that right there stood out. Yes. And then what, what really convinced you? What was like, oh, this could be it? Um, Jimmy Burroughs. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Who you had met? I had never met before. Oh. I just, I, I had had a dream. I said that I would never move out to L.A. unless a job brought me. Amazing. And my dream that out of L.A. was I want to be on an NBC sitcom <sighs> directed by Jim Burroughs. Really? That was what I had sort of, you know, put in my little bubble of, like, wish lists. Okay. And um, I had actually gotten offered um, a sitcom on NBC that was going to be directed by Jim Burroughs. Oh. And it was going to conflict with a play that I wanted to do uh-huh. in New York. And it was Collected Stories by Donald Margulies. Okay, yeah. And I read that script and I said I have to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. I have to at least try and I flew myself back to audition for it. Wow. And then I got the part and I found out that the shooting of the pilot of this other one they oh, would gosh. conflict and I said I have to do the play. Wow. You know, I have to, you know, trust that another TV show will come along. I see. And um I did the play and it was to this day one of the, you know, great you know, fulfilling creative oh, experiences, and I'm I'm so grateful for it. But I was doing um, I was doing a drama at the time when Will and Grace came to me. Mm. It was a short-lived show. I replaced an actress ten days before it began. Oh wow! And um, it was clear that it wasn't going to go. But I was the lead. Of and there were only five cast members, mm-hmm. so I was working sixteen-hour days, uh-huh. and I literally was, you know, crawling into bed. And my boyfriend, I would like pass out on the couch, and he would carry me and put me in bed, and he would, you know, set the alarm for five hours later Ugh. to wake up to go back. And when Gosh. we wrapped, I said to my agents, "Don't call me. I'm going to sleep for two months." <laughs> totally. And totally. I meant it. Uh-huh. And then they called and they said, okay, but... <laughs> we have a script that we think is special uh-huh. and we want you to read it. And I said, no, I'm too tired. Oh, my gosh. And it's Will and Grace. Yeah. <laughs> and they said, uh-huh. okay, stay in bed. Oh, okay. We're going to messenger it to you. Okay. These are Re- good agents. Yes, read it in bed. Mm-hmm. And so I got into bed um, and I read it and I immediately, I was like, oh, boy. Wow. I mean, wow. instantly when I read it, I knew that this was something that was unlike anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, each the thing that really stuck um, stuck out to me was that all four characters from the very first episode were were really delineated. Oh, sure. And um, they each had a voice. Yes, yeah. and you you generally don't see that. Sure. And the first episode, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that Ellen had just come out on her show and it was canceled. Yeah. So here we mm. were, the very first script after that. Okay. Saying, okay, this is going to be a lead character who's yeah. gay. Yeah. And wow. it, it felt very, um, 
important to me. I was going to say, it almost sounds like that was one of the reasons. Like, it was. This is important. It was. I said, this is important. This has to happen. It's never been done before. Yeah. And, and it's good. And it's good. <laughs> and if we could pull this off, this mm -hmm. could really be special. Wow. Yeah. And um, so I went in and I, I met with Max and Dave, the, sh the show creators, and um, we had a great talk. And then I went home, and my agent called and said, what'd you think? And I said, they're wonderful. I'm going back to sleep. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, he, and he was like, okay, hold on, hold on. Uh. He was like, I, the, the, you should read with Eric McCormack. He had already been oh. cast. Oh, okay. They had cast everybody, and they couldn't find Grace. Really? So this was already in the middle of pilot wow. season. So they had gone, they had, for five months, they had been auditioning Grace, and they hadn't found her yet. Wow. And um, so they said, okay, we're going to have you go to Jimmy Burrow's house. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you're going to read with Eric McCormack. You're going to meet him. What's going to be low-key, you know, mm -hmm. the, Jimmy will be there. The, and I said, okay, I'll do that. Sure. And um, I got there, and you walk in, and it's like 700 Emmys. It's like, you oh. know, it's like, oh, my God, this is the legend. Which I can't for a believe that I'm in his home right now. <laughs> yeah. I was just so excited. But they had flown Eric down from Canada because wow. he was doing um, a drama. Uh -huh. He's playing a cowboy. Oh, my God. And um, we met, and immediately yeah. we clicked, and hmm. we did a scene. And I, apparently there were two other women that they had brought in. And we, that we, day. That day. And mm. we didn't know that anyone else was coming in that day. Uh -huh. And they said afterwards that I was the only Grace that laughed at Will. Laughed at him. Yes. Oh, okay. He made me laugh. Uh-huh. And they're like, and we realized best friends do that. That's what they need. They yeah. laugh at each other. Sure, yeah. And um, oh. and we just played, and it was it was really easy. And I thought, wow, okay, hmm. imagine myself for seven years with this, this man as my partner. Hmm. And I thought, wow, this is enticing. But I still wasn't sold. And then I was walking out to the car, and Jimmy Burroughs comes out, and he's like, Deborah, I was like, what? Like, you got to take the part. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, Jimmy, I don't know. Did he know, like, you had reservations just yeah. based on? Okay. Yeah. And and apparently, huh. as soon as I walked out, they were like, she's it. And so he came up to the to the, the car. And but you're, went, it's seven years, so you really are like. And I, I was like, I don't it. know. And he, and he was like, trust me. you do, A script like this does not come along. Mm. Trust me that you you have to do the show. And so that was the thing that, that wow. sort of pushed me over. Right. And here we are. Here we are. <laughs> That's so amazing. And also, like, right before that period of all of those gigs that you're balancing and you're not sleeping and you're so crazy, was it t safe to say that that was more of a dry spell before that? Um, when I was doing the, like the drama? school and, yeah, before that. Um. You know, I didn't experience it as a dry spell. Uh-huh. You know? But compared to the crazy I mean, period. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I when I graduated, the first thing I did was I went and played Cecily in The Importance of Being Earnest out in Seattle. Lovely. Uh-huh. And um, that cool. was heaven. And it was also important because I had graduated graduate school with a plan that I was going mm. to do all the great regional theaters. Oh, cool. Like, oh. I was like, this is what I want my career to oh, be. I love that. 
Yeah. I want to play Hedda Gabler. I want to do mm-hmm. Doll's House. I want to go to oh. Arena, Goodman, Guthrie. Mm-hmm. You know, I, cool. I want to go everywhere. And um, mm. and there I am in Seattle, and my boyfriend, who future husband, was back in New York. Oh. And I realized I'm not a gypsy. I'm oh, miserable. You need a home base. Living out of a suitcase. Yeah. Even though I love the play, I love the cast. And so I came back mm. and I called my agent and I said, change of plans. Mm. I'm only going to audition for things that are in New York City. Okay, yeah. And they said, wait a second, 95% of all acting jobs are outside of New York City. Uh-huh. And I said, I understand that. Wow. And they're like, you understand it might be a while. I said, yeah, I understand that. And I said, I'll get a catering job, but right. I want a job in New York City. Wow. And so I got a catering job. Um, I was a uh coat check girl at Sotheby's. Okay. And I was fired. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> See, we love hearing these stories, too. Yes. I was fired because I didn't understand the, the ticket, you know, situation. Totally. So when people came up, you know, I'd be like, oh, you know what? Just come in and grab your fur, whichever fur is yours. Okay, it's come yours. on in. You know, they're like, oh, my briefcase. I'm like, oh, which one is it? You, <laughs> you know, so like literally anybody could have gone in and taken a different coat or a different briefcase. Right. And they're like, right. what are you doing? Briefcase and, full of money. You and I was like, I just, I didn't get, I didn't understand the ticket situation. <laughs> they're like, yeah. You're an actor. Yes, you are fired. <laughs> um, and then I got, I auditioned for, um, to be understudy for Four, four Dogs and a Bone. Uh-huh. by John Patrick Shanley, uh-huh. which was being done at the Manhattan Theater Club. And Ma- um, Mary Louise Parker mm-hmm. and Polly Draper. Uh-huh. And the two characters were 18 and 35. And I understood, I was understudying the um, older woman. And there oh. was, yeah, I was 25. Oh. And I was understudying Polly. And then there was a younger a younger woman who was understanding Mary Louise, and weird. we rehearsed. And the first night that um, Mary Louise was out, uh-huh. um, they called this understudy, and she said, "I quit." What? That day, because she was so you can't do that. She was so terrified to go on oh. that she said, "I quit." So they called me, and they're like, "Deborah, can you do it? Will you go on?" with a book in hand, oh. and play the other character. What? And I said, sure. <laughs> you said, sure. I've never heard of such a thing. And I went on. Oh, my God. And then... That sounds like the craziest performance of your life. Like, yes. How do you... Then they said, okay, guess what? You're going to be both understudies from now on. Uh-huh. So I under- I learned both roles, and... This is like a full-length play. Yes. And, yeah. and at this point, um, Mary Louise Parker was doing... Um, Bullets Over Broadway, oh, Woody oh. Allen film. Uh-huh. So she was missing a lot. And then Polly ha- was shooting something in L.A. Uh-huh. So I would, like, play one part one day and then the next part the other part. Did you really? And all of the scenes were just two people. Right. And so there were scenes with the two women. And so I would be on stage knowing all the lines <laughs> And it was, it was... That sounds like the biggest the, acting challenge. It was the biggest acting challenge of my life. And I did it for seven months. And the, what? I did it for seven months. And like, sounds like way more than any understudy's ever done any role. It, Certainly not two roles. I mean, <laughs> you know, they it. were like, look, we we don't have them at this point, you know, 
They're like, look, she's she'll do it. They we can don't trust have to, you. We don't have to pay her double. We'll, we'll pay her. We'll just. We'll she st- said yes. Like, she said yes. <laughs> you know, we'll save a little money. We don't have to have a second understudy. That's so you know? funny. And then um, I got an audition for Paul Rudnick's off-Broadway play, The Naked Truth, at mm. the WPA. Uh-huh. And this was a new play, and it, I would be creating a new character. And I went in, love. and I got it. Uh-huh. And so this was like my first you know, part in New York. And so I, I, I left Four Dogs and a Bone in order to do that. And with um, Jay Smith Cameron. Uh-huh. And um, wow. um, it was it was wonderful. Gosh. And then I got cast in my first movie, um, uh-huh. A Walk in the Clouds with Keanu Reeves. Which was filmed here. Which was sh- shot in Napa Valley. Oh, okay. And L.A. Uh-huh. And... Um, but a movie's different because it's a one one off thing. You're not. Yeah, I was there. I was there for three weeks. Yeah. Okay. And then after that, I had an audition for NYPD Blue. Right. And it Your was first TV. My first TV, yeah. and it was um, Gail O'Grady's Wayward Sister, and it was supposed mm-hmm. to be, you know, one one part one, and they were in shooting in at Thompson Square Park. And they're like, oh, go down. There's going to be a honey wagon, and you'll audition in the honey wagon. And I went, and the <laughs> the producer was sitting on the toilet, <gasps> and I was sitting in the other chair in this tiny honey honey wagon. And I auditioned, what? and that's and he and I got the part. That's how you auditioned. Yeah, in the honey wagon. Because <laughs> I was going to ask later, like, what's your craziest audition story? It's that. Yeah. <laughs> And then I went, and it went well, and they're like, oh, we're going to write two more episodes, so hang out. Nice. Oh. So I was there for a week, and my agents didn't know me out in L.A., uh-huh. and so I was like, all right, hi, everybody. You know, will you send me on, on um, you know, just generals? Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I went to Fox, and they said, oh, okay, you're fresh out of school. What would you like to do? And I said, oh... You know, mad about you, friends, Love, you know, yeah, these right. are things that I'm interested in. And they said, great. Well, you know, if we have a script that you think you're right for, let us know. And I said, well, you do. Oh. And they're like, what? Well, what is it? And I said, it's it's called Ned and Stacy. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, we've got to get you an audition. And I said, oh, I already auditioned in New York. And he's like, they're like, what happened? I said, I, I don't know. I never heard anything. Oh, my God. And they're like, Oh, okay. Well, um, you know what? We're going to get you in again. And I said, great. So This is all because of the in-person meeting that you, like, just scheduled with them. And I said, okay. And so I walk in and I see Michael Whitehorn, the creator of the show, for a second time. And I say, hi. And he (laughs) says, okay, look, I like you. I think you're talented. I'm sorry. You are wrong for this part. Oh. And I said, okay. And I said, um... Can you tell me what this character is? And he said, it's a neurotic Jew from New York. And I said, hello, hello, hello. (laughs) And I said, what did you think I was? And he said, I think of you as like Midwestern girl. Oh, weird. Oh, does that happen often in your your career before this point? No. I was confused by it. And I said, look, let's make a deal. I said, let me make an adjustment. And if you don't like it, you will never hear from me again. Nobody will force you to see me again. I will, God bless, and I'll leave you alone. Yeah, yeah. And it just so happened that the casting director had seen me 
in Four Dogs and a Bone. No way. As in which part? <laughs> in Polly Draper's one, which was, you know, a New York woman. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I've seen her in that play. Let her, let her try. Oh, my God. And then I, he said, all right, go ahead. And I did it, and I got the part. Oh, my God. There's so many lessons to be gleaned from everything you just said. Like, this idea of, like, do the play. Like, say yes to the understudy role, obviously. Follow your gut. Your gut. Follow your passions. Yeah. And, like, it's also this interconnected thing of, like, an audition – for a gig now is really an audition for a gig down the road. That's right. Doing a play now is like you never know who's going to see it. Like And advocating for yourself. Definitely. I mean, that sounds that sounds crazy and like here you are going, "No, I I know what I'm I know what I want." And, and I and I know I can do it. Yeah. And you know, and I I do think that you know we as actors are set up to mm. feel you know, so like we're begging for jobs when we walk into yeah. that room and you know that even taking up space you are apologizing for taking yeah. up space mm. and i think what's most important is to realize that you know those five minutes those are your five minutes mm-hmm. so you do you own them your, and yeah. you it's your time and if you start and it's off to a bad start you say, "I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Can we start over?" Mm-hmm. You don't. You know, it's you don't worry about their feelings. Yeah, that's so tough. Yeah, you know, because I. I mean, I know that I went on auditions, and halfway through, I'm like, "Oh, I am literally thinking about that. I need to buy, you know, <laughs> toilet paper right now. I am not in the scene, yeah. and I didn't stop because I felt like I couldn't stop. And that's a mistake. And that's a mistake. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But I, you know, you learn. You learn. You learn. You know. The, Totally. That it only hurts you not to say, mm-hmm. you know what, I believe in myself, I've had training, and, you know, even though I have nothing on my resume, mm-hmm. I believe in myself, give me a shot. Yeah. That is the thing to learn and to relearn and to master. That You have to actually practice, like, this is life advice, too, like, the idea of taking up, sta- up, up space, space without saying, like, I'm so sorry I'm inconveniencing you, like, yeah, I know that I'm just a measly this or measly that and like I'm so sorry for taking up your time but here I am and here's my thing it's like no own it there was a movie that um I read and I was like oh I I would love to do that it's you know a supporting part Mm -hmm. and my agent said they won't even let you come into the room why because you're grace and I said Oh, how often does this happen? And I said, well, that's crazy. And I said, you know what? I'm going to write the director a a letter. Okay. And so I wrote him a letter. And I said, you know, I know that you're hesitant because of grace. Hmm. But um, I promise you that um, I am a, a trained actor. And I know that I can bring something very specific to this part in the world that has been created in the script. Sure. And, mm. you know, and if you give me the opportunity, you know, I feel confident that I can do any direction that you throw at me mm-hmm. um, if you just give me the chance. Mm-hmm. And he gave me the chance. I got the part. Oh, my God. What movie was that? It was a bad movie. <laughs> <laughs> After all that. <laughs> um, it was Lucky You. Thank you for being so frank. Yes, it was. It's you know, it's it was written by by um, William Goldman. I mean, uh-huh. one of the great 
screenwriters of all time. Uh-huh. And when I, I read didn't... it, it was a dark script. Uh-huh. And it was great. I mean, it was um, it was Drew Barrymore and Robert Duvall. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. Okay, so I'm like, that this, sounds great. this yeah. is great. Yeah. And, and, just and then the, the studio, they were like, oh, well, we have Drew Barrymore. Let's make this lighter. Oh. Let's make this more romantic. Mm. And... Um, mm. I, I think that I didn't think it worked. Right. I think if they had kept it the way it was written, the tone of it, I think it would have worked better. I see. But I'm that glad. Happens. But I'm glad I did it. And that you, you know? again advocated for yourself. This episode is brought to you by Succession on HBO. Critics hail the first season of Succession as the best show on television, irresistible entertainment, and a must-watch show. For your Emmy consideration in Outstanding Drama Series and all other categories, visit hbo.com FYC for more on Succession. So this thing about Grace, like, first of all, did you kind of think or know, like, because that's often a thing with TV actors, especially maybe a sitcom, you become known for one part. Yeah. And does that detract from, does that minimize the possibility of getting others? Absolutely. Maybe. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. And did you know that going into it? Uh, yes, but at that point, the idea that I would be on a show that would actually last long enough yeah. for me to be known, you know, at that time, you know, the idea of a show running seven years, most most shows don't make it after one year. Sure. So in my mind, I wasn't thinking that way. Mm-hmm. But once the show... Um, became successful and right. we won Emmy mm-hmm. in the second season and we started being really recognizable, it became very clear that we in. were going to be known for these yeah. characters. Yeah. And, um, you know, I feel, you know, I know I'm going to be Grace until the day I die. Okay. And yeah. and I'm, I'm proud of that. Good. You know, it's yeah. something that, you know, I love her. Um, and... I think because I've had the opportunity to go on and do, you know, other TV shows mm-hmm. and a Broadway show. And, you know, I feel like as long as you give me the chance to to be a storyteller, yeah, I'm fine being Grace. Yeah. It's, it's when you say, no. She's only Grace. She's only Grace. Yeah. You know, and that's something that we have no control over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, short of writing your writing and producing your own work. That's right. Yeah, and it's just it's something, you know. Everything has a downside, right? Everything has an upside. Everything has a downside, and so you know this this beautiful show that became important to you know a whole community of people and became socially important and was funny um, Mm -hmm. consistently. um, You know, that's all amazing. The downside is that. You know, okay, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be on anybody's shortlist mm. for any film that you know is like uh, Ivory Merchant, Mer- Merchant Ivory. You know, mm. something like you know Sense and Sensibility. Sure. You know, any 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 movie like that, I would not even be in the ether mm-hmm. of conversation. Sure. Um, or other genres or other... Yeah. Just kind of depending on the material. Yeah. And it's... it's, Yeah. I mean, I loved Searching so much. I was just about to bring that up. <laughs> I Thank loved you. that movie. And I do feel like, yeah, a different side of you, I think. Yeah. A little bit. 
And I was grateful that, yeah. you know, this kid, you know, I mean, he was 23 years old. <sighs> Amazing. Yeah. And, you know, his first script that he ever wrote and yeah. the first thing he ever directed. Oh, my God. The directing was incredible. And I thought, you know, and he came to me and I was like, oh, you're coming to me because, like, 80 people said no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because Which... I said, I'm not, an, I'm not the obvious choice for this, you know? Oh, okay. And mm. and he said, no. He said, you know, I saw you on Mysteries of Laura, and uh-huh. there was something about some in one of the scenes that I just, I thought of you. Cool. And he said, because this character, you have to feel something for this character before everything drops out at the end. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I said, okay. Mm. But, you know, I, I said that I was so grateful that he took that chance on me. Yeah. You know, because it it did it did give me the opportunity to put something else out there and surprise people mm-hmm. and be like f- for people to say, oh, I didn't think she c- could do that. All right. Well, maybe we can consider her for X, right. Y and Z. Yeah. You know, and it sounds like you're you've accepted that while at the same time, you're very much wanting people to see you as not Grace Adler for other projects. Yes. For anything that can challenge you. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Hollywood is slowly but surely waking up to, like, being more creative in their casting choices. Absolutely. I hope. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, when I started 20 years ago on Will and Grace, it started 20, oh my gosh. It was 20 years ago. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. There, were, there was no commingling of, of the film and TV. TV and film. Yeah. And now it, you know, now especially movie actresses are mm-hmm. realizing that television is the holy grail yeah. because they actually can be part of stories that are focused on women and have really great mm-hmm. female parts. Um, so now there mm-hmm. isn't that sort of stink that was on TV for yeah. a very long time. You know, oh, you're a TV actor. Yeah, you know, totally. Um, and I think I think it's I think it's great. I yeah. think it's how it should be. Totally. I think there is even like a thing of like, being just a sitcom actor isn't as much of a thing anymore, too, because sitcoms, yeah. as Will and Grace proves, can be substantial. And I th- and I think that someone like Brian Cranston, yeah, has really mm. done something huge yeah. for sitcom actors um, and actresses. You know, he played this over-the-top, goofy, hilarious, <laughs> physically funny guy on Malcolm in the Middle right. for seven years. Yeah. And, and that um, was his, like, people know him for that. Yes. Yeah. But then he went on, you know, <laughs> to play this. The opposite. You know, the opposite. <laughs> yeah. He shaved his head and, you know, and then he did these, you know, extraordinary, you know, Broadway plays. And, right. you know, and so I think he is sort of the living embodiment of, oh, you know, when we look at an actor on TV in a sitcom, Let's not think that that's all they can totally. do. Totally, yeah. If anything, um, I consider like I've I've had this theory forever that like it's people who are good at comedy or who are trained in the comedy world can much more easily switch over to the drama side of things than the other way around. I think that's tr- <laughs> I think that's true. I mean, you grew up doing both, I suppose. Yeah. And the theater, of course, is a crucial part of that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I love hearing about the similarities between theater work and multi-cam sitcom. Oh, it's 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 the closest thing to to doing theater. That's so cool. I mean, it's so cool. That's yeah. that's what makes it um it's so exciting because you have a live audience 
and it's a different audience every episode. Right. And, you know, it you have that dialogue that you, you know, with the audience the way you do when you're doing a play. Mm-hmm. And, you know, certain – you're rehearsing and you think certain things are going to land a certain way and then you get the audience and – it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. The difference, though, is that with sitcoms, as soon as it doesn't work, <laughs> 11 writers get into a scrum and they, you know, like little bees, they all, and then they that. come out and they're like, okay, cut that. Now this is your new line. Right. And it becomes more like uh, improv in a way. Sure. Not that we write anything in the way that you you have to drop things and immediately pick up something that – that is improv. When you when you watch any any episode of Will and Grace, twenty five percent of what you're seeing, mm. it's the first time that those words are coming right. out of our mouth. Because you don't do more than how many takes? Two. Isn't that Three? amazing? Yeah. You know, and I mean, if if they have you know a lot of great options, you know, uh, some of them are filthy dirty oh, that okay. we do just to like excite the audience to wake them up. <laughs> okay. You know, um, and then there are some that are questionable that we want to get through standards and practices. Standards and practices. Yes. And so it's like, let's get it. Let's let's put it on film so that we can we can advocate and fight for this line. Um, if, it's, if it's better suited for that. And, you know, and then someone on, from standards and practices will be like, no, you, I, need a, I need a cleaner line than that uh-huh. as an option. And then you're like drawing and, lines in and the then, sand. Like. And then they negotiate. And you said earlier that you and your other three stars, like you've gotten to the point where you're, you know what works and what doesn't as well. Yes, and so yes. you know how to contribute to that quote unquote improv. The thing that was really amazing and, and unlike, I think, any other sitcom I know of, um, when, we, when we began, they were open to being collaborators from the very beginning. Amazing. You Which know, also sounds rare. It's it's it never happens. Yeah. Um. You know, most of the time, you know, you are literally a dancing monkey. Sure. Before it, it actually takes off, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. we need to get this picked up. So I right. need you to do this, and I need you to do this, and do that, and that, and that. Okay, yeah. and let's like. Yeah. Um. I don't have time for your input. But they were they they were like, you know what? This is a democracy, mm. and the best idea wins, and it doesn't matter who you know, where the idea comes from. Amazing. So from the very beginning, we we gave input. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now we we are clearly in a different place because of, because of how much we've done. Now we do know immediately if something works. And I <laughs> think that um, it's actually made it more fun and it's made it, um, ah. it's made it easier because... Now, if we read some, if we if we rehearse something and we know something doesn't feel right, we know that the writers are going to see it, and we know right. they're going to fix it. Okay. So we don't have to worry and be like, oh, do you think that you know what this doesn't feel right? And how do and I this say is, this? And this is why it doesn't feel right. And mm. you know, I think that you know maybe this blah blah blah. Yeah. You know, they're now it's a sh- now it's a shorthand. Right. Now it's like. Um, you know, this, they're like, yeah, we got it. Totally. It's like, cool. That's what trust is. Yes. That's like mass. Complete trust. Cooperation and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Communication. And it's hard, it's to hard to trust in the beginning. Oh, sure. Yeah. For any long running project, I feel like. Yeah. And I almost feel like because they had the faith in the actors to 
to have you guys give that kind of feedback and that everything is a democracy thing, I think that translates to the screen. Like, I think that that's part of why the chemistry is so strong. Like, that's part of the success of the show almost. Yeah. Whereas if you guys had been more dancing monkeys... We wouldn't be invested. Maybe it wouldn't have lasted as long. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be quite as effective. Abs- absolutely, yeah. because when, when you when you know that you're you have a voice, mm. you know, you you take a step toward the project. When you don't have a voice, oh, yeah. you'll sit back. Yeah. Because you can't contribute anything. Mm-hmm. You know, I my my feeling is I always need a voice. I don't have to win all the time. Sure. I just need to be heard. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you it's know, democracy. if I have an opinion about this, I just want you to hear it. Mm-hmm. And if you say, I see the value of that, but, but no. it's it's not serving us right now, mm-hmm. I'll be like, great. Yeah. You know, and and then you can move on and feel like at least it it allows you to feel like there's there's hope and there's a reason yeah. to to come up with ideas. Yeah, right there but at it, your job. Yeah. At your job. Totally. But if they're like, you know what? I my first my first job, Ned and Stacy, they did not want any of my input. Sure. At all. Dancing monkey. I I I was a dancing monkey. Yeah. And and I I literally I called my my agent in New York and I was like, "You know what? Um I I don't think I'm built for Hollywood." I think after this, I'm just going to come home and do theater because Mm -hmm. I really miss the collaboration. And um, it sounds like these dreams that you have the dream and then you got to adjust it. You have the dream and then you got to adjust it. Yeah. Trying the vagabond or the gypsy life and then you're like, nope. Nope. Trying the Hollywood thing and then you're like, maybe nope. Nope. And then it helps you get by saying, by knowing what you don't want, helps you get to what you want. That's right. right. But where did that come from so early? Like, it really sounds like you're such a, you're so in touch with that and you were so resolute in, in pursuing it. Like, where does that determination come from? Like, we've heard a wide range of advice on this podcast about whether to say yes to everything or whether to be picky. And like you said, you were barely eating yeah. and you're still saying no to that yes. sitcom. You know, yeah. where does that quality come from? I think part of it is just um, knowing who you are. Mm-hmm. Outside of the... Just, acting world. You, just just knowing it's like I I knew once I did, you know, my gig in Seattle, I knew that I could not be happy um mm-hmm. taking a job playing Hedda Gabler mm-hmm. at the Guthrie. Mm-hmm. Um because I, I just I just am not built to be away. I'm I'm a yeah. nester. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when you when you just sit back and you be like, you know what, I, I you know, I have needs, I have things mm. that make me feel safe, I have things that excite me, I have things that make me shut down, mm. and to sort of take note as you make these decisions, you know, what what is working for you, right. and and what isn't, and your opinion is more important than anybody else's. That's so crucial. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, you're desperate for an agent and then you get an agent mm-hmm. and, you know, you want to be, a, you know, a good client, yeah. you know, and they might be like, oh, no, this is really great. Mm-hmm. Um, it is hard. It yeah. is hard to take a step back and say, yes, but how do I feel about it? Yeah. And I think it's important to take that moment to see how you feel about it before 
asking anybody else what they think. Before, yeah. Before. Yeah. And then maybe take that into and, consideration. And, and you may change your mind. Sure. Right. But at least, you know, you, you are clear about the pros and cons. Yeah. Well, and it reminds me of the Jim Burroughs moment of like, you were, well, you weren't clear. I mean, you were on the fence still. I was on the fence. And he pushed you over because you first checked in with yourself and then. And because to other of people's. who he was. Well, you right. know, he was a legend and he knew yep. the landscape. And for him to say, I'm sorry. This script mm. is special and these scripts do not come along. Mm. That's what made me you feel like, that. okay, I can I can trust this. And like you said, he was one of those visions of the, yes, he of was. the plan. And so yes. you're like, well, this counts as part of the dream. It so does. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. It's tough to, to decide when to say yes and when to say no. And I think that advice about checking with yourself first, first. is so crucial. Yeah. For anything. And, and also, another thing I learned was that, you know, you, you have plans and plans are going to change because yeah. life happens. Yeah. You know, I got married. I had a child. I got divorced. Mm-hmm. You know, there were, there were, you know, job offers that I was given mm. and that were thrilling. And I was like, you know what? I've got a toddler yeah. right now. And my husband is working in New York and I'm in L.A. with my toddler. Right. And no, Can I say no, it's not it's it, it doesn't work with my life. Yeah. And hmm. to be able to say, you know what, it's OK to prioritize your life over your work. Yes. Yeah. And in fact, I feel like there's that thing, too, of um, I think Meryl Streep at one point said, I'm going to work only in New York as well because of the family thing. Yeah. Of like not wanting to be far from that. And by saying no and narrowing down the options, it actually might be a better path than saying yes to everything and going wherever. Yeah. Because then the universe <laughs> or Hollywood or whatever is like, oh, well, she only wants to do the projects here. So let's make that work. Yes. Rather than this thing of like, well, she's a dancing monkey and she'll do whatever. <laughs> when, I w- when I was offered Mysteries of Laura, yeah. it was set in Los Angeles. Oh. And they the offer came, and I read it, and I said, "I there's a lot here that I'm interested in," and I said, "But I will not do it unless it's in New York." It's a New York show, and they and said, "You changed that whole thing." And they said, "Okay." Oh my God! We'll change it to New York. <laughs> and so, did you then feel like, well, now I'm very committed to this because I single-handedly changed the direction of the show? Um, I you know I you... I still needed answers oh, to okay. things, mm-hmm. you know. But I just wanted to be honest and upfront, you know. It's like I, I can't even consider this wow. because my son is in school. Right. And I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if you, if you need to keep it in L.A., I totally get it right. and I respect that. And thank you so much for the offer. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to have to, you know, graciously pass totally. because of my son. And that's powerful. There's, there's yes and there's no, but then there's also no, but like yes. if you go to them and you say no, but yes, if yes, <laughs> New York, for example. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. And it sounds like with so often with you, you ask for something and, and people say yes, just because you have the wherewithal to ask the first step. of That's the thing yeah. is asking is asking mm-hmm. and being specific. Yeah. That letter you wrote was specific to that director. You know, and I and I I know that um, you know I'm sure there are agents out there who would say, "Don't rock the boat." Mm. You know, 
you don't you don't want to ask for that because you don't want to seem high maintenance yeah or you know like who the hell do you think you are right you know but it's it's your life yeah it's your life and you know it's um don't apologize you're not and you're not and you're not going to win everything you're not going to win every time and you're going to get a lot of the things that you're not going to get a lot of things that you want. That's right. In that biz, in this, in the business, but also in life. And <laughs> yeah, might as well accept that too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really good advice. That's really good <laughs> acting advice. Just the right amount, just the mix of pessimism and optimism that we want on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask too? Like, um, we got to go soon. But advice. I wanted to ask advice in terms of like. Celia Keenan-Bolger of To Kill a Mockingbird was just sitting here. Oh, gosh. She was amazing. And I asked her, what can actors do to save the world? And I almost want to ask the same thing of, like, our world is right Yes, now. it is. And our country is it crumbling. Is. And, yeah. A lot of that is happening right now. And it's I so admire your mix of arts and activism. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you have, like, first of all, like, a policy on that. But then, you know, how can early career artists... I think I think that. right now with all of the pain and and dissension and hatred and vitriol um, that is just sort of permeating everything right now in our country, I think the the greatest and most important thing that we can do as artists mm. is to put out work that is life affirming. Mm. So to you know to do plays, to write plays, to write the, you know. To, to put art out mm. because I think it does change hearts. Totally. And, um, you know, as for activism, that's a very, very personal choice. Mm. Um, okay. And, you know, I made, I made the choice, you know, that because of will and grace, I was given a platform mm. and I felt an obligation to use that platform for good. Mm -hmm. And to not just do nothing with it. Right. Because there's, you know, there's something about fame that is is just, it's just incredibly unnatural. Yes. And yeah. I wanted to to sort of take control of it yeah. and make it something good. Yeah, yeah. And um, so for me, it's, it's about... Um, Aligning myself with with people who are like minded mm. to look for projects that are socially responsible. Yeah. Um, ah. To say no to things mm -hmm. that you know are are uh, ambivalent. Yeah. You know, because right agree with. right now, I think being ambivalent is the same thing yeah. as saying yes. I approve of everything totally. that's happening right now. Yeah. Um, not picking a side. You know, but there, but there are a lot of, I've learned, there are a lot of actors um, who just say, you know what, I cannot risk it. I cannot risk saying something, making a choice mm. for a side. Right. Because that is an audience. So I will, I will be pushing away 50% mm. of a potential audience. And, you know, if I want to get this movie made, you know, I can't be the, that person, I right. can't, you know. Um, and, and there are a lot of people who feel that way. Sure. And that's, and that's fine for them. Yeah. 
you know i for for me i you know i it it feeds me it feeds me to to be an activist and i feel like i feel like i've always been a perpetual student mm-hmm. um and so to to interact with people who are smarter than me and know much more about many many different fields sure. it just um it it literally feeds me yeah. and yeah. inspires me and gives me a spark yeah um and all of that goes back to the thing of like you can't say yes to everything you can't say yes to something that you don't agree with no no um thank you so much that was amazing i have to let you go okay. um do you have any parting words of wisdom for uh early career actors study mm-hmm. study mm-hmm. study 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 um you know i i feel like if you can't be in a class you know every month get a group of your friends and say come to my living room we are going to read the three sisters out out loud yeah you know any chance that you can to be creative to be challenged it doesn't have to be seen by anybody mm-hmm. but just a constant reminder that you are an artist whether you're working or not mhm and i think that's that's the most important thing love it love it you really brought it full circle Thank you so much. Thank you. In the Envelope, an awards podcast, is recorded at Lotus Productions, Hyperbolic Audio, and Big Yellow Duck in New York City, and Soundbox LA, Mark Rouse Studios, and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, tweet us at In the Envelope, leave a review. We want to hear from you. Visit Backstage.com for more content and resources for working artists, and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage with a free trial by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout. Thanks, as always, to podcast producer Wiz, Jamie Muffet. You can follow him on Twitter at Jamie Music NYC. You can follow me, Jack Smart, on Twitter at Jack Smart Writes. Thank you to the team at Backstage, the most trusted name in casting Mark Stinson, Samantha Sherlock, Francis Ramos, Caitlin Watkins, and especially should be Oscar nominee Casey Howe. Thanks for listening. On the next episode of In the Envelope, Seth Myers. I think my message of hope would be that, you know, if you just, if you really believe you have something to say and something to share, you have to put your heart into getting that message out there. And you have to, you know, if there's that message that's in you that you, be it your talent or be it something you want to say specific to the moment we're living in, uh, just keep working on your instrument. You know, if you're a writer, keep working on it. If you're a performer, keep working on it. Because if you value it, Uh, there's a high likelihood that the audience will value it too but they will going back to what we were saying about hard work like they're going to see the work you put into it and uh, if you aren't going to put the work into it the audience will tell that you actually don't think it's that important either 